Thank you so much for the, the very warm invite and welcome to Springwood. Uh, it's, it's great to be here with you all this morning. I've uh, just got to find my sermon. It's also really good to see Brad. It's been a long time, mate. You know, when, when you come to realise that God is a God of love, your entire relationship with him changes. And that is a good thing. But just in case, you know, my voice is a bit monotone for you this morning and you stayed up too late last night and you're not off to sleep or something like that, I just want you to remember one thing, that it's through Jesus you've been set free to experience life in the Spirit. It's through Jesus that you are more than victorious, and it's through Jesus and what he has done that nothing can separate you from the love of God. I'd like you to open your Bibles with me to the book of Romans, chapter 8. I'm going to read a little bit of scripture together. Romans chapter 8, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to his law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, Although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. Now that's a lot to unpack in there, isn't it? Verse 8, chapter 8, 1 and 2, just one more time. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. You know, it's it's through Jesus, through Jesus, that we can experience life and freedom through the spirit. And when we read this this little uh, paragraph of scripture, there's something that's pretty obvious. There's, There's two laws that are at war with each other. We have the law of the spirit of life and of freedom, and we have the law of sin and death flesh, sinful nature. And it comes, it's pretty obvious that these two laws that, are, that the Romans are, are, are describing here in chapter 8 are at war with each other. They're two opposing forces. And we often have conversations around this, but there comes a point when we come to a huge dilemma 
And the huge dilemma is, when we study the Scriptures, we realize that the law of the Spirit and of life and of freedom is the same law of the law of sin and death. And this creates a dilemma for the Christian because we've got to sit out and we've got to figure out and we've got to realize what is our experience when it comes to God. You see, there is one law, but two different experiences. One experience of the law is one of the spirit and freedom and life, and the other experience of the law is one of sin and death. It's the one law that has two methods. The first is the world's approach to the law or to salvation. And it results in an experience of sin and death. And this is simply a description of human nature in absolutely everything we do. It represents everything we are without God. But even more than that, it represents everything we are even if we it represents everything we are as long as there's some of ourself within us. It's not just this idea of I'm full of myself and I've got a big head and tickets on myself. It's also this idea, you know, the 50-50 Christian? Do your best, let God do the rest. I'm going to let 99% of God uh, take over me. I'm just going to hold on to 1%. That is still going to result in the experience of the law of sin and death. But the second method to the law is through God's way of salvation, the law of the Spirit, the law of freedom and of life. And this is a description of when it is 100% God and 0% me. You see, Christians only experience the law in the second method. Imagine experiencing the law through a greater divine power than that of yourself. Our own power is as weak as the flesh, but we live through divine power, the power of the Spirit, and this is why there is no condemnation through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because we no longer trust in the things that we can do, but we fully surrender and trust that He has the ability to forgive our sin and give us the free gift of salvation. We no longer approach salvation from a worldly perspective but we experience the law through the power of God. Yet there is a brand of Christianity that urges people to experience the law through their own power. And not overtly. There's no Christian out there saying, oh, it's all about you and how good you can be and how amazing are you and how holy can you keep the Sabbath, right? But there is a brand of Christianity out there that teaches there comes a point when you have to be able to approach the law and fulfill it in all its its realizations on your own. You might have heard of it as perfectionism. This idea that that a human can somehow experience life and freedom, not through the Spirit, but through themselves. And I get amazed that this teaching is not just around, but it's growing among the young people in our church today. The belief that there's going to be 
sometime in the future when you have to stand without Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but if a human could keep the law within their own ability, then Jesus died for nothing. And I could not think of a cheaper way to talk about the death of Jesus. But when we read Romans chapter 8, it makes it really clear that such a teaching of perfectionism is nothing but a law of sin and death. To actually believe that you in your sinful self have the ability to be whole. But we praise God that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because of the law of the spirit of life that has set us free. Praise God. Christ died on the cross for us and gifted us forgiveness. More than that, he gifted us new life as well. Therefore, now that Christ lives in me, even though I am a sinful human being, I get to experience freedom and life. But what has your method or your experience of the law been? What's your experience of Christianity been? Have you experienced the law of freedom and of life through the Spirit? Has your experience been one of sin and death? We keep reading on in the book of Romans. Verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's chosen ones? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written. For your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And this is one of the great paradoxes of Christianity, is that you and I are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are nothing more than sheep led to the slaughter because of our sin, but yet we are still more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now here, more than conquerors, Paul uses a very rare Greek word. And the the word in Greek, I'm a Greek, but I don't speak Greek, so my apologies for any Greeks that speak Greek. Hupernico. Over conquerors. More than conquerors. But it doesn't make sense, because it's like a child speaking here, when a kid says, I'm better than you. It's literally the language that Paul is using. He's saying, you are more than a conqueror. You're a better conqueror. You are an over-conqueror. How can you over-conquer? You either conquer or you don't. You can't over-conquer. You're either victorious or you're not. You can't be overly victorious. 
But Paul here says you are over-conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. You see, back in the Bible days, uh, the normal word that someone would use for victory or conquering is nikol. Nikol, 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 right? Remember, you know, my big fat Greek wedding? Now, nikol means a victory demonstrated by an action. It's like the overthrowing of an opposing force. And this victory, according to the Greeks, could not be won by mortals. It could only be won by the gods. Only a god could attain this victory. Only a divine power is, is able to conquer, is unconquered and unconquerable. In fact, there's a goddess and her name is Nikki and she was monumental for victory. But Paul is saying to us today that the conquering Greek goddess Nikki is nothing compared to the conquering or the victory that we get to experience through the freedom of the Spirit, through him who loved us. And we don't conquer because we've somehow uh, uh, won some great battle or some drawn-out war. We don't win our battle through our own action, but through the divine uh, proclamation of Jesus Christ, who says, you are my child, you are victorious, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in me. That's what Jesus says. And because of that proclamation, this great paradox exists that even though I know I'm nothing but I'm a, I'm a loser. Even if all my actions were somehow, you know, ironed out and smoothed out and perfected, I am still painfully aware that I am a sinful human being. It's my state. It's the nature in which I exist. Yet because Christ has said there is now no condemnation for him, we are more than conquerors because of his love for us. It's hard for me to explain. Because there's no condemnation, we are more than conquerors. I remember when this first clicked for me, and I'm shamefully aware of my sin and my failings, and, and, and it's more than just bad actions, it's my very nature. But there came for me this realization that when Christ lives in me, his life is represented on my behalf. And I used to try so hard back in the day to keep the law of God, but I failed and I failed and I failed again. And then I thought, well, maybe if I just give my heart to Jesus, then he will somehow make me some holy and perfect Christian. But guess what? I gave my heart to Jesus and I don't feel like I'm that different today. Well, you know, God's done amazing things in my life, don't get me wrong, but I'm still painfully aware that I'm still the same sinful human being. I can't even keep the Sabbath. Some of you, I'm sad to say, think you have. But I can't even do one little thing. From a worldly perspective, to be a conqueror would mean that I've got it all together. That I'm holier than thou, that... that Somehow, I have attained this state of perfection. But we no longer regard these things from a worldly perspective. We now look at this through the eyes of Scripture, through the eyes of heaven, through the eyes of Jesus. 
And I can't express to you the peace and the assurance I received when God showed me that he is willing to live in sinful old me. And the moment he lives in me, I experience fulfillment of the law. I still fail and I fall. But guess what? There is therefore now no condemnation because I trust in the salvation of Jesus. And because of that, I am more than a conqueror. I'm a sheep that's at the slaughter, yet victorious. Could such a thing really be put into words? Think about your own experience. Could you ever truly put that experience into words? This amazing thing that God has done for you? We're not conquerors because we're sinless. We're conquerors because we are sinners who are in relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the definition of those who are victorious all throughout Scripture. The definition of, of those who are victorious in Scripture all the way to the book of Revelation are not those who have somehow earned uh, some special status, but those who are in relationship with Jesus Christ. Fallen people who are in relationship with Jesus Christ. What does it mean to you that right here, right now, you are more than a conqueror? Despite that thing that you're battling, despite that besetting sin that's hanging over your head, despite the experiences that you're going through, despite what's happened in your life, how does it feel to know that right here, right now, you are more than a conqueror through him who loved us? For I'm sure that neither death nor life, neither angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When we discover that God is love, it changes our entire relationship with Him, doesn't it? We used to live in fear or terror of punishment for wrong action, but now we know that God is love. Now that we know that nothing can separate us from His love, we fall to His feet. Not just as sinners in relationship with Him, but as sinners who are forgiven in relationship with Him. I'm a forgiven sinner. And there's nothing that can separate me from the love of God. It doesn't mean that I go and flaunt sinful behavior. And it doesn't mean that I'm not aware of who I am. You know, I remember at school there was this group of Christians. And, and, you know, I went to a a big state school. And, you know, there was a point there in in the little country town that we were living that it became cool to be a Christian. And, and there was a point there where, where there was this group of core Christians on school and they were doing things on weekends that my mates who were not Christians would be embarrassed about. And, and these guys were going around and saying, it's okay, we'll just ask God for forgiveness. Have you heard that sentiment before? And God's forgiveness is often used as an excuse 
But when we, who are sinners, are in the right relationship with God, we begin to find delight in His laws and His will for our life. We are mortified at the sinfulness of our hearts. And even though we realize there's nothing we can do to change it, we are hurt because we, we are so willing to hurt the one that we are in relationship with. We see the condition of our heart. We don't flaunt our sin, but we see the condition of our heart and we realize that there's something inside of us that is able to hurt someone that we love. And rather than live in fear of that, because God is a God of love, we come to trust that nothing can separate us from Him. No height nor depth can separate us from Him. You know, some people believe in their star sign. I won't, I won't get you to raise your hands if you believe in your star sign. But some people believe in their star sign, right? And, and for some people, it's just a bit of, well, they think it's harmless fun. Some people think it's just a bit of harmless fun. But some people really, truly believe in their star sign. And, 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 and the star or the height, nor height nor depth, your star sign, according to many people, represents the height of influence over your life. And, and there's nothing higher than a star. It determined your destiny. It represented influence at its peak over your life, and yet there was nothing you could do to control it. It was fate. It was as high as, as the heavens, and there is nothing higher. People just are because of their star sign. Nor height, nor depth. Now, depth represents when your star has no influence on you. For many people, especially back in the days of Jesus and when this was written, the depth represents you when you were dead. There's nothing deeper. It's as deep as the grave. But neither height nor depth can separate us from God's love. No height can separate us from the love of God. No depth can separate us from the love of God because of Jesus. And, and, and the amazing thing is, Jesus didn't just stay up in the heights of heaven and, and live in the adoration of the angels and live, and live where he had uh, perfect obedience to his name as we know it. But Jesus came down to this place we call earth. And he lived this amazing life. And he didn't just live this amazing life for you or I. He actually lived this amazing life as you or I. And he didn't just live this amazing life. He died this death on the cross. The death that you or I know that we deserve. The punishment that we deserve but he didn't just die on the cross for you or I. He died on the cross as you or I. And the story goes on that he didn't just stay in the grave of death 
because three days later he rose back to life and he didn't just raise back to life to walk this earth, he raised back to life and the Bible says he is seated at the right hand of God. He was inaugurated on the throne room of heaven. There is no depth, there is no height that could separate us from the love of Jesus Christ, not because you are perfect or I got it all together, but because Jesus died and he went to the depths and he defeated the depths. And more than that, he was raised back to life with ever everlasting power. And he, he raised higher than any heights. He went as high as that anyone could ever be raised to the throne room of God. He is all-encompassing. His love is all-encompassing, which means there is no depth or no height that can stop him from loving us. There's nothing in your life that could stop God from loving you because he's underneath it and he's above it. There's nothing that you've experienced that could stop God from loving you because he is underneath it and he is above it. There is no depth nor height because Jesus Christ died on the cross. More than that, he was raised back to life. His love is continuous. There's nothing left to separate us from God's love. You know, I remember when I, I, I share this with young people a lot, when I first got my license, my dad let me take the car for a drive, and when he handed me the keys, you know what he said? Angels leave at 100. Some of you might remember the old saying, if you go to the movies, what happens? Your angel's going to wait outside for you. Maybe that's for all the older people in the room. Hey, Rob. I remember being a Bible worker in Sydney, Mount Druitt, and the elders consistently telling the young people, if you go to that club, you know, angels aren't going to be very happy. They're going to wait outside of you, for you. And if something bad happens in there, oh, we tried to warn you, didn't we? But Christ's love for us is continuous. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Not even willful sin can separate you from the love of God. It doesn't make things okay that are in your life, but it means there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Absolutely nothing. It's continuous. He's above and below all things. There is therefore now no condemnation. Through the Spirit. We are more than conquerors, and nothing can separate us from the love of God through Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, Jesus lied, he laid his Godship aside, and came to this world in total humanity. He lived life as us, died as us and was raised back to life, that we may have new life as well. And now he is seated on the throne of God and he's making intercession for us. Now he's the only one who has the right to condemn us, but he doesn't. He has every right to stop loving us, but he doesn't. In fact, he offers us his life that it may, became, may become ours as well. And this is something that Jesus is personally offering you and me. 
It gives us unexplainable hope because we can come to know Jesus not just as God of the heavens, but the lover of our soul. And maybe you would like to come to know Jesus in this way as well, not to be feared or to live in terror of, but to come to know him as the lover of your soul, a God who doesn't condemn, but a God who longs to live in us, a God that understands our weakness yet still says you are more than victorious, a God that knows exactly who we are yet nothing can separate us from his love. But how do we come to experience such an amazing thing? How do we come to experience what is written here in the book of Romans chapter 8, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? How do we come to experience this idea that we are more than conquerors, this great paradox that Jesus offers us? How do we come to experience that nothing can separate us from the love of God? Well, it's pretty simple, and this is the application. Simply by trusting in Him. When you fear condemnation, trust in Jesus. Those moments in your life when you feel like you have lost salvation or are on the edge or whatever it may be, when you're filling up with doubts, if you are truly a Christian or not, trust in Him. When you feel like you are outside the scope of God's love, just ignore those feelings and trust in Him. And this is the application that no one can do for you. And this is where the ball is in your court. Because you will never trust the one that you don't know. So when we want to experience freedom from condemnation, we want to experience the fact that we are over conquerors. And when you want to experience that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God, the ball in our court is that we've got to get to know Him. And no one can do that for you. That's something that we've got to do for ourselves. It's something that he even gives us the desire to do as well. So we pray, Father, first we praise your name. We praise you that there is no condemnation because we are in you. We praise you that we are more than conquerors, not because we have some sort of special ability or skill to fight off an enemy, but because of you because of your love for us. Because you are the only one who can condemn, but you don't. Because there is nothing that can separate us from your love. Lord, we thank you for your word. We pray that as we leave this building, we may learn to trust you. We may learn to trust this proclamation that you have said about us. Bless us and keep us. This is our prayer in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Amen.